Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Good morning, church. How are you? Good morning. Some of y'all didn't know the youth pastor was preaching, huh? You're like, man, what's he going to say? That's dangerous. Some of y'all are like, man, the youth pastor's preaching? We should have took vacation day to day. (laughs) But you're here, and I'm glad you're here. Um, We're going to have some fun this morning. As Pastor Dave said, my name's Colton Brink, and I'm the new high school pastor here. Been here a little over two months. Thanks, Seth. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Been here a little over two months, and it's been a lot of fun. A little bit about myself is I grew up just north of Denver, Colorado, and went to high school there, and then went to college at Northwest Nazarene University, which is a small private school uh, right by Boise, Idaho, in Idaho. And played baseball there and studied Christian and youth ministry and really loved my time there. I actually started working at a church there with their youth ministry uh, and getting some great experience and different things like that. And I stepped into a youth pastor residency role and was in that for a year and finished that up early June, just this past summer. And then I got married at the end of June to my wife, Shaylee, um, and she's actually the sister of Shauna, the children's pastor here, so there's some connection for you. Um, and then we hung out with some family in Colorado and Kansas, and then made our way down to you guys here in Southern California, and I officially started with you August 18th, so it's been a lot of fun to be here with you. Um, we have a great high school group. They're crazy, they're fun, they like to play weird games, and I love them for that, youth ministry stuff. So we've been talking about a gracious living, and Pastor Dave's been taking us through this series, through the Sermon on the Mount, what does it look like to live graciously as Jesus' followers? And so the first sermon, he actually talked about how this was our finishing school, this is our training, and we're going to continue that this morning. Last week, if you were here or watched online, it was a gracious dignity, and this morning is a gracious service, a gracious service. What does it look like to serve well? So I want to begin with the question, who in your life would you say serves well? Who serves well that you know? Could be a coworker, could be a family member, could be anyone, but they, you look at their life and they just serve people and they don't do it for praise and they don't do it because, just because people are watching, but they serve people because they have a servant's heart. Can you think of someone like that? I want you to hold that person in your mind throughout this sermon, and we'll, we'll jump back to them later on. The text for this morning is Matthew 6, 1 through 4. And let me add a little context. Pastor Dave's been, been talking about these the past few weeks. Um, Jesus is teaching to these group of people, his followers, and it's the Sermon on the Mountain. We talked about how it's probably broken up lectures, then it comes together when we canonize Scripture, and it's the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is teaching to them, and... Uh, lecturing them, if you will, and I graduated college not that long ago, and you get a lot of lectures in college, you know, and I had the occasional professor who would kind of, you know, put you to sleep a little bit. You'd, you'd, you'd nod off. Hopefully, they're not listening or anything right now, but, <laughs> but this is not at all what Jesus' teaching is like. He's captivating the audience because he's saying things that they've heard before, but he's taking them a step further, And so he says things 
like this. He says, you've heard it said to those who lived long ago, don't commit murder. But I say to you, even if you are angry or have malicious thoughts towards a brother or sister, you will be subject to judgment. And then he talks about adultery. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you that every man who looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery in their heart. And then jumping right before where we'll read today, he talks about loving your neighbor. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and even pray for those who harass you. So Jesus is talking about something else than just following the rules. He's taking it a step further. And so he's saying these things, and they're captivated. And they're like, yeah, we, we, don't, we know we shouldn't murder. We know we shouldn't commit adultery, right? That's bad. But he's taking it a step further because he cares about the heart of his followers. So knowing this context, let's jump to the text today, Matthew 6. One through four. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So Jesus is teaching his followers, and he's talking about the Pharisees, and they've kind of been in the Sermon on the Mount throughout, these religious leaders. And he's saying, don't be like the Pharisees. They have this practice, this righteousness, this sacred act of almsgiving, so they would give to those in need, the poor and those on the margins, they would give to them. But Jesus saw through their actions and saw to their hearts because he knew that it was just because people were watching. He knew it was a show. And so he says, don't be like them. They're a bunch of hypocrites. And the word hypocrites in Greek, hypocritos, literally means actors. They're just a bunch of actors. They're putting on a show. And the world is not your show. Your heart matters. And Christ is after a servant's heart. And that's what he's after this morning for all of us, a servant's heart developing a servant's heart, and what does that look like? The rich young ruler in Luke 18, 18, asked a million-dollar question to Jesus. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Christ responded with the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, and honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to them, you still lack one thing, get everything you have and give it to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So you've heard this story before. Jesus has this man come up to him. He's pegged as the rich young ruler, shows up. He says, Jesus, how do I obtain eternal life? Boom, it's a big question. And Jesus is like, okay, well, you know the law. You know the commandments. And he's like, yeah, I've done all those things since I was a little boy. I'm good. Right? And then Jesus sees right through that sees his heart, and he says, okay, get everything you have, and then give it to the poor. And then, we, then what we read is that the man walked away sad because he had great wealth, because Jesus knew something else was going on within his heart. Jesus is after our hearts this morning. So you're like, okay, Cole, I get it. I get the text. We shouldn't be like the Pharisees. Um, we should develop, try to develop a servant's heart. It's not easy. It's not easy. 
And we're all on that journey in different stages. Um, but the first, I think there's two things that can really help us with developing a servant's heart. And the first thing is this, imitate Christ in service. There it is. For the three of you that are taking notes, imitate Christ, <laughs> imitate Christ in service. To participate in gracious service, we must imitate Jesus. On Wednesday nights with the youth group, we've been going through a series called Christian. And it's about the basics of Christianity. What does it look like to be a Christian and claim that name of Jesus follower? And the first Wednesday, I talked about how the word Christian actually means little Christs. comes from little Christs. So they would see people following Jesus, and they would say, you little Christs, you little Christs. It was kind of an insult, but it stuck. Uh, because they were imitating and following Jesus, and that's what we're trying to do today. Little Christ. And so Jesus is the first step in developing a servant's heart, imitating who he is in his life. And we're going to go into a little bit of theology. Can we do a little theology this morning? Yeah. Is that okay? Okay. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. And he says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So it's this powerful imagery of God in heaven having all power, but coming to earth as the son, as Jesus, as a humble servant, right? Even being born in Bethlehem and in a manger, and we're going to talk about that more next month, but it's this incredible image of the God of the universe becoming a servant in Christ. This chapter in Philippians is actually called the kenosis hymn, which means self-emptying. So Jesus self-emptied himself as he came as a servant. And we see Jesus as a servant throughout scripture. And one of those stories is in John 13. It's the washing of the disciples' feet. You know the story? Yes. Um, but what you need to know before that story is that the disciples were having a dispute amongst themselves. And scholars think this happened right before the upper room and the feet washing. They're not 100% sure, but it fits really well and they're pretty sure. So they're having a dispute among themselves and it happens in Luke 22, 24 through 27. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered the greatest. I want to pause right there for a second. Have you ever disputed in your mind about who's the greatest? Um, am I greater than them? Are we greater than them? Is he or she greater than I? Are we a greater family? Are we a better family than them? You guys have never done that? Me neither. Me neither. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it was just the disciples, yeah. But so they're having this dispute about who's the greatest. And then Jesus says this to them. The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. And the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table, but I among you as the one who serves? So Jesus is telling them, guys, stop arguing about who's the greatest. It's not about being great in the world's eyes. You want to be great, then be a servant. 
serve people. That's true greatness. And then he leads the way in showing them exactly what he means when he begins to wash their feet in the upper room. In this scene, upper room, washing the feet. Every time I think about this story, I think, man, those were some nasty feet. <laughs> right? First century feet. They didn't have nice Nike shoes, dress shoes, vans for my high school kids. None of that, right? But it's this cool picture of Jesus. The text says all power was given to him. begins to humbly wash the disciples' feet. And he gets to Peter, and Peter's like, no way, Jesus, no shot. You're not washing my feet. Your rabbi, your master, we should be washing your feet. And he's like, Peter, you have to let me wash your feet. Otherwise, you won't have a place with me. You have to let me serve you. And Peter's like, okay, all right, go ahead and wash my feet and then wash my whole body because I want a place with you. I want a place with you. So Jesus sets that example. But when we think about greatness in our culture, it's a lot different than washing feet, right? Greatness... For our world is something like status or wealth, having a big house, right? Those things are seen as great, but washing feet, hmm. serving others. But Jesus is like, that's exactly what the kingdom of God is about. It's about serving others, and that's true greatness. So this had me thinking. Do you want to have a great marriage? Yeah. I want to have a great marriage, just newly married, right? People that are married want to have a great marriage. Then serve your spouse. Do you want to have a great family? Yes, we want to have great families. Then serve your family. Parents serve your kids and kids serve your parents and siblings serve each other. Do you want to be a great friend? I don't know, Colt. I want to have great friends, though. <laughs> Do, I, I don't know. Do you want to be a great friend? Do you want to have great friends? Then serve your friends. Do you want to be a great church? We can agree on that. Do we want to be a great church? Sure, yeah. And what we're getting at is it's not about how the world sees greatness. It's not about a fancy building or cool lights. It's about service. So if we want to be a great church, we'll be a church that serves. We'll be a church that serves. So that's the first step to developing a servant's heart, imitating Christ in service. The second is the people we serve, the people we serve. So we first look at Jesus and his life and the example he sets, and then we can't forget the people on the other end. There's people who are in desperate need in our world, right? All around, in this community, in the greater Los Angeles area, and around the world, there's people in need. There's a lot of us in this room who, excuse me, this room even who are in need. We're not perfect, and I, my prayer is that we're the body of Christ who can rally around each other, even in this room, and serve one another, show each other compassion. But we have to focus on others, focus on the people that we serve. Philippians 2.4 in the message version of the Bible says this, if you ever have, this is a side note, this one's for free, if you ever have trouble reading the language of scripture kind of understanding I challenge you to read the message version of the Bible it's really great um, puts it into really layman, layman's terms and it says this in Philippians 2.4 put yourself aside and help others get ahead don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage 
Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. I love this. Because Paul's talking to the church at Philippi, and he's like, guys, stop trying to get ahead. Stop running over people. It's not about your advantage. It's not about that status. Lend a helping hand because it's about others. Martin Luther King Jr. says this about service. I love this quote. Life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? What are you doing for others? And church, can we reflect a little bit? Can we ask that of ourselves this morning? What are we doing for others? Why do we serve? Are we serving? And then why do we serve? Do we do it because people are watching? Do we do it so we can post it on our social media? Ah, that one stings, Colt. Come on, man. That one stings. Do we do it because that's just the thing to do? Check it off the list? Or are we developing a servant's heart and we follow Jesus and we focus on others who matter? We cannot be people who practice gracious service without caring for people. We have to see people in our world as valuable and worthy because God calls them valuable and worthy. And so, so should we. I want you to think about that person again in your mind. Remember that person that serves well in your life? You got him still? That person for me was my mom, is my mom. Um, she's a great servant, has a great servant's heart, but I didn't realize this when I was a young kid. There's four of us kids and mom and dad, and we played a lot of sports. I actually have a twin brother who was 14 minutes before me, um, and he's 6'2 and looks nothing like me. He was, yeah, he's actually here a couple weeks ago, and nobody even thinks we're brothers. They just think we're friends, which we are that too. But, but so there was four of us, and we played a lot of sports, and I literally played football to basketball, to baseball, and then to summer baseball, and then back to football, basketball, baseball, baseball. Craziness, right? Probably for like 16 years. And my mom, she just drove us around. She just drove us around. <laughs> Sat through every game and practice and meeting and all those things. And as a young person, you don't quite get it. You're just like, ah, oh, that's what my parents do. They're just supposed to taxi me around, you know? <laughs> but now I get it. Is it she did all that because she cared about us. I think it's that simple. She deeply cared about us. And I think all the people that came to our minds in this room about who serves well in your life, I think they all would share that in common, is that they care about the people they serve. They see them as valuable and worthy. And that's what we're after as the body of Christ this morning. Would you stand with me? You're like, no way, he's done. <laughs> Worship band, go ahead and come on up. I want to close with a little story. Hey, thanks for letting me preach a little bit this morning. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, it's been fun. Church, when we think about a gracious service, imitate Jesus focus on others. Um, that's who we want to be as a church, as Montrose Church, and as individuals in this community.
close with this little story here. The late Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> hey, you know a story's going to be good when it starts with Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Yeah. The late Colonel Sanders was on an airplane when an infant screamed it would not stop, even though the mother and flight attendants tried every trick they could to calm the baby down. Finally, the colonel asked if he could hold the baby. He gently rocked it to sleep. Later, a passenger said, hey, we all appreciate what you did for us. And Colonel Sanders replied, I didn't do it for us. I did it for the baby. I did it for the baby. Montrose Church, a gracious living this morning, a gracious service. Man, what would it look like if this church served this community graciously? And we are doing a lot of cool things, but what if we did even more? What if you served in your home and at this church? And I think people would start to notice, right? They'd be like, what's going on with Montrose Church? Why are they following Jesus so well? Why are they serving people so well? I don't know. God's after our hearts this morning, developing a servant's heart. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for being here with us. If you weren't here, God, all this would be in vain, but you're here. And so thank you. God, we're on this journey of developing a gracious servant's heart. God, help us serve each other. And God, those in this room who, who are struggling with just different things, would we be the body of Christ who gathers around them, shows them compassion and serves them and helps them know that they're not alone. God, develop in us a servant's heart this morning so we can be gracious servants wherever you would have us go. We love you, Jesus, and we pray it in the name of the one who emptied himself and became a servant and ultimately died on a cross for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.